A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Tech Time. We live at one. Hi, welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, bringing you podcasts, blogs, and occasionally news. Welcome to Tech Time Extra. I'm your host, Spanners Ready. I'm actually all alone in the podcasting shed at the moment because this is being recorded in the future relative to when what you're about to hear was recorded. So on Sunday night, we went long, like really, really long. And I just I could not bring myself to publish a two-hour podcast. Now, it's my opinion, and it's just my opinion, that these sorts of shows, these sort of panel weekly F1 shows, should run about an hour, and I fail to do that every week, I know that, but I think having that time limit of an hour just focuses the mind on what you actually want to deliver and say to the, the listeners, instead of descending into just self-absorbent dribble. I'm not mentioning any trumpets. No, look, Matt has the theory that he's got a lot of things to say about F1 and owns a microphone, therefore he's going to say those things. Which is fair enough, I can 100% get down with that, but the people on the live stream will often see me and Matt arguing over time, me pointing to my watch, him wagging his finger saying, just one more thing. He never, never lets me just move on to the next subject. Always got one more thing to say. But with the combination of Matt, Summers, and Ken, Vortex Motio, talking about the Liberty Takeover... It was very, very hard to draw them in because it is such an important thing for F1's future. So considering it was a tech time show, we got to an hour and 10 minutes before they even started talking about tech at all. So I just said, right, okay, let's just cut it off there. We'll say goodbye. We'll get Summers back on because he dropped out with his internet because he lives on a prison island. And then we went on and recorded about an extra 45 minutes of tech time stuff and and it's good stuff listen in if you're into f1 tech Uh, okay so the next voices you hear will be matt trumpets he's the new yorkie type guy hey i'm walking here he's that one then you've got the more sort of canadian sounding to be honest i'm not sure he's from i think it's canada 
but he's sort of like, hey, don't you know, and uh, rightly so. And then, of course, we have the absolutely fantastic Matt Summerfield. Oh, no, the vortices has fallen off that wheel. Well, that's that's what I think he says anyway. He thinks that that impression of him isn't good, but you're about to listen to him on the show and you will see that it's perfect. I'm the one who sounds like me. And yes, I do sound like I had a drink. No, I'm not sorry. It was it was a long recording and I'd had a long day before that anyway. I normally have my drink while I'm editing, but that's a lie. I drink all through the show, but it had run long. So here we go. Uh, let's move on to some tech time stuff. I can't believe it. Even when I'm on my own, I can't find the bumper. There it is. Make sure you join us for the Sapang review on Sunday. Live stream, half past seven. Join us on the live stream, SpannersReady.com. Live stream. I think Summers had had some uh, sins he'd like to expatiate regarding arrow wash. And I think we'd like to start there because we, we got into a rather intense discussion about naturally all things speculative and arrow wash came up and he feels like he's not properly explained the problems with it in formula one and how it affects the car so why don't you kick us off with that well no i think it's more of a broader problem in terms of the way that it's just oh the these complicated front wings they're all the problem that's particularly the reason why nobody can overtake in formula one and yes, the front wings are particularly complicated and yes, they are part of the problem. But the problem stems from the fact that the FIA have taken it upon themselves over the years to reduce the amount of downforce that can be generated by the cars. Now, obviously, the teams want to continue to generate that downforce. So what they set about doing is creating ever more complex front wings that achieve the same goals. You know, they create vortices that then create more downforce down the car it, it's all about improving the whole the whole of the car from the front wing now obviously that then becomes a problem when it doesn't get clean airflow so in effect it's a problem of the regulations and not a problem caused by intricate front wings per se right ken ask a question that sounds clever quick because i was reading comments on the Ustream chat <laughs> if an african swallow no no you go <laughs> so i i was uh so this is a question actually I, I wanted to ask about and and that is that um there there was a uh write-up on um the singapore grand prix about uh it what was amazing was that it that was a great race let's face it in that we had three different teams fighting for the podium fairly even and it's something that we all want to see uh i think going in the future it'd be great weekend and week out to be able to see three four five teams fighting for the podium and um but what was interesting was that um while rossberg was fighting hard for the win um his teammate hamilton was struggling and we had covered this last week, um, he lost some uh, free practice time and ended up with a, a suboptimal setup. And And Singapore uh, racer is really vulnerable there because so many of the turns are similar. And so if your setup is not optimized, uh, you can just lose a lot of time lap after lap. So was, but one thing that I saw that was interesting is that they were talking about the ride height 
on on Hamilton's car and that it was he ended up in a similar situation to what he where he was at in Baku where the front end um in, in my understanding of Hamilton's driving style is he likes to rotate the car around the front um off of the front tire the way he uses the front tire but the front end he ended up with was a little what they tried to a lower setup um and that it it tended to hop and skip over bumps and under braking and and took those few hundreds or tenths away um did did you see anything that that corresponded to that summers yeah well we as you say we mentioned this in the last podcast as well but it as you say, they they are always attempting to find the perfect setup. And when you do lose track time, you inevitably lose the ability to hone your setup. Now, clearly, Hamilton and Rosberg have very differing styles. So it's not like you can just say, oh, well, Rosberg's achieved the, the, the potentially the best lap time. So I'm just going to copy everything, copy and paste every setting that he's got, and it'll be okay. So unfortunately, Lewis lost uh, track time and you end up in a situation where he's playing catch-up. And unfortunately, at a track like Singapore, you also have to bear in mind that it's a very rhythmic circuit where you have to get in tune with the, with the track and you just have to drive it in effect, in effect to be able to gain lap time. But I think perhaps the biggest uh, problem that Mercedes have faced, and this goes back to last year as well, is temperatures not only in terms of the tyres, but in terms of the way that their power unit operates. Thermal efficiency is a massive thing within Formula One in terms of the power units now and the way that they operate. And so the power that they can generate for the amount of fuel that they're using is something that has to be obviously measured and used correctly. Now, obviously, if they're going to spend time losing out to set up they lose also time in terms of understanding how to set up the, the power unit parameters as well especially for two separate drivers um, and i think that could play into part of the reason and also we have a, a, a situation where it's a street track so you have to follow in behind the other car and we all know that the mercedes isn't brilliant when following another car in terms of heat rejection coming off the other car so i think Temperatures for me and humidity are perhaps the biggest factors in Mercedes issues at Singapore in general. Um, and the other thing, coming back to the braking situation that you mentioned, is that, yes, the car does get very unstable in the bumps. Um, and Mercedes have a particularly um, soft suspension setting. You'll notice that it's able to ride the curbs much more heavily than any of the other cars. And I think... Over the other the other races that we've had, Hamilton was happy. And at this particular circuit, for one reason or another, he just didn't feel comfortable in the car. Um, and he was snatching brake in. He hadn't got the right brake bias. And, yeah, it was just purely, in my opinion, down to setup and the way in which the car operates in, in Singapore. Right. And now that came from, I think it was Mark Hughes' article in Motorsport that you were referencing there, Ken. Now, I read that too, and I was struck by the same thing, by his use of Baku as a reference. Because honestly, if we're going to look at two races where he really, and we're talking to Hamilton now, seemed to be out to sea, Baku and this one would, would, would pretty much define them. And I just wonder, do you think that's perhaps a clue to an inherent setup difference because of how they prefer to drive the car? Yeah, I would say so. Obviously, uh, 
each of these cars have a very dis- different concept. They all operate in different ways. You know, the Red Bull has a very, very strong front end for argument's sake. You know, the drivers just throw it into the corners and, and it sticks to it. Um, so at a certain track and a certain driving style or certain tracks and certain driving style, as we're alluding to two st- street circuits, I think there is that situation where one driver might struggle when compared to another. And it's just the legacy of, that car, that driver, that setup combination. Right. And we have uh, MG5904 asking the very astute question, which was already on my mind. I swear, really, it was, which is since we're going to Malaysia, similar climate, are are we anticipating similar issues for Mercedes? I would suggest that there's probably some of that to, to play out in Malaysia, but we're not talking about a street circuit here. We're talking about a, a you know a, a place where there's long open straights um, and that you're allowed to get the legs out as such on the power unit. So and they will open up more um, bodywork um, for for the the versus the straights, so they can cool the the power units and the components more effectively than they can do at a low speed Singapore circuit. Right. So it, it, before before we move on a little bit, we're sort of going at this uh, backwards to our notes, but that's fine. One of the things that was a bit confusing in that Mark Hughes article was he referred to the heave element of the suspension, which the heave element is for controlling vertical displacement uh, of the suspension, correct? That's right, yes. He referred to it as a spring, but actually on Mercedes, if I've understood it correctly – the heave element is now hydraulic and there is no spring. Is that, have I understood it correctly? Yeah, that's right. So a usual setup for the other teams is a spring and a, and a damper arrangement. Um, and in that situation, you've either got a conventional spring, much of the teams run, or Red Bull and Williams run a Belleville, sp- Belleville springs. Um, but both Mercedes, Lotus, I still call them Lotus, uh, Renault and Sauber, they run with the hydraulic damper instead, um, much as much of a carryover from the Frick um, suspensions that we, we had a few years ago. Right. Well, thanks thanks for clearing that up because, you know, I was actually losing sleep at night over that. <laughs> no problem. Um, but as, as a larger part of the drama surrounding Mercedes, we've also had a, a sudden focus of the spotlight on how they've packaged it with regard to this year's chassis regulations. And it's, I don't know, there's nothing illegal about it, but that certainly seemed to be the uh, implication of some of the articles and headlines that we saw. Yeah. So basically, as always, it's all about the spirit of the regulations when it suits certain teams. You know, the spirit of the regulations doesn't exist. It's not written. Um, it's the way that you interpret those regulations as such. So last year, when Manor were brought back into the sport um, by Fitzpatrick, they got some dispensation from Charlie in terms of being able to run a year-old chassis, and they ran a chassis spacer in front of the bulkhead. And that allowed them to pass the transition regulations for the nose because obviously the 2014 car's nose was different to the 2015 one. Um in doing so, they opened up a bit of a grey area for the other teams, of which Mercedes and Red Bull have taken advantage. Now, Mercedes is the most extreme version of what everybody is talking about. They've taken quite a large wedge out the top of the bulkhead, and that allows them to be able to package the suspension, the uh, brake cylinders, and their quite advanced S-duct 
in a way that nobody else has done. You know, Red Bull have run an S-duct for many years, but to allow them to run an aggress- aggressive front suspension setup, they had to ditch the S-ducts uh, because they couldn't package it in the way that Mercedes have because they weren't quite as aggressive as Mercedes. But then it's, this is something that was brought up in a, a technical director's working group um, at the last race, something that nobody's really that happy about. Um, everybody thinks it's a bit of a let's get rid of it scenario. Can't do it for 2017 because the regulations are already in place. So the FIA are going to step in for 2018 by all accounts now and get rid of this from the regulations. So I have a question. Um, you mentioned that Red Bull had the s famously for a while. They had to get rid of it. Why exactly did they get rid of it? What changed for them? Okay, so they have positioned their rock, the suspension rockers much higher up the chassis along with the third damper, the spring, the Belleville springs and the damper. And that has meant that they can't now use the exit of the S-duct in a position on the transition of the nose that helps with the aero problem that the S-duct overcomes. The problem that you have with an aggressive slope is that the, is that the air detaches from the, from the upper surface and that's what the S-duct overcomes. And so why, why would, what's the advantage of, for them to raise those, those points up high? It's the suspension points, right, that interfered? Yeah, the, they've raised the rockers, which is obviously part of the uh, push rod. Um, so that is all to do with kinematics. It's the way in which the, the, the suspension behaves and also the way in which that interacts with the tyres. So it's quite an important physical part of the car um, and, and obviously from a design aspect they wanted a particularly tight front end and that's why they've opted to take this particular route it's something that McLaren actually have very similar to to Red Bull as well they have a very high rocker position that's interesting because those are two chassis that are known to be most uh, I would call it aerodynamically efficient really able to generate strong downforce really good into turns then how interesting thank you all right. Well, I also want to ask about, since we're talking temperatures uh, in Malaysia, there was an awful lot of radio chatter uh, from Mercedes and from the drivers about brakes and overheating and running out of brakes and stuff like that. But then after the race, everybody behaved like, oh, well, you know, whatever. It was all fine. There was no issues at all. So were there actual issues? I think it's a bit of a false positive. They There were issues, but they're issues that they knew they needed to manage. So they're highlighting this issue to the drivers whilst they have full tanks. They want them to know that if you take the brakes beyond their operating temperatures, we're going to suffer later in the race. In fact, we may have to retire the car. So these were pointers to both Rosberg and Hamilton to say, please do not overheat the brakes. Please look after your brakes. You know, they are marginal. Every team is marginal on brake uh, temperatures at Singapore, as they are with everything else in terms of the power unit, etc. Um, but I think it's a bit of a fallacy that Mercedes run less brake cooling than everybody else. Um, teams like Ferrari and Red Bull have compared the um, brake ducts that were open in Singapore. And what everybody seems to forget is that both Ferrari and Red Bull run a blown axle. And so a part of their duct is proportioned to blow air out of the axle rather than provide it to the, the brakes themselves. And so when you put all three next to one another, they actually have very similar 
cooling parameters um, and Mercedes aren't that far away from the other two in effect. So we're, so other teams then were having um, struggling with the same issue of having to manage their brakes then. Yeah, it was just something that wasn't played out on the radios. And obviously, Mercedes felt that it was important that they iterated this to their drivers because they know that they are at the top end of performance. You know, these are the team that everybody else are chasing. So they do run very close to the margins. So they have to be reminded, please do not use your brakes in a way that is going to um, cause us a problem later in the race. So then would it be right to say that if they'd gone with a little bit more brake cooling, um, that that would have required a bigger duct and that would have interfered with their aerodynamics enough that they may not have been fighting for the wind at, at, win at the end of the race? That That's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about tiny margins here, aren't we? At the end of the day, Red Bull were four tenths behind with Daniel Ricciardo come the end of the race. So, yeah, it's very tiny margins. And... Mercedes did test on free, in free practice with a slightly larger duct, but they decided to move away from it. Well, aero is king, and downforce apparently beats cooling at that level. All right, but that, that was not, you know, it was interesting. I went trolling for technical things to talk about, and, and I have to admit I found this great article that you and Giorgio did about updates that weren't run at Singapore. Maybe you could run us through a couple of those real quick before we uh, say goodnight. Okay, yeah. So there, there were a few updates that were taken into Singapore to obviously improve the cars, but I think it was more of a case of um, let's have a look at them here in Singapore and perhaps we'll use them later down the line. And key to that was Ferrari. They had a new front wing um, secondary flap on the front wing, which has serrated teeth on the rear of it. Now, it's something that we've seen Mercedes use since last season, which I think they introduced in Russia, if memory serves me correctly. And it basically improves the, um, the airflow over the rear of the, the upper flap of the two um, when you run it at a more severe angle of attack. So Ferrari had that in uh, Singapore. We also saw Williams adopt that profile. I don't know if they raced it or not because there wasn't enough pictures of the, the, the FW38 around for me to be able to establish whether it was raced or not, but it was certainly uh, tested. I have the pictures of it. Um, and then obviously we have uh, McLaren who joined the rear wing club of um, changing the louvers, uh, which are the, the, the small slots that are on the upper surface of the end plate, and they changed the the vorticity of the vortex that is shed from the rear wing. There's no way vorticity is a word. I'm vorticity calling BS on that. Right, let's look that up. <laughs> it's in the Summers F1 dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> right, but but they didn't. That that's another one that they didn't actually run at the at the race. It is, yeah. They they went out with Fernando Alonso in free practice, had a quick mm-hmm. look at it with Flovis on there, and then decided to abandon it. But again, it was an aggressive version of what we've already seen. Mercedes run it, um, Sauber run it, and of course Toro Rosso brought it into the the sport at the start of the season. Um, But McLaren decided to run an even more aggressive version of it. And if that that could potentially be the downfall because they were trying to be too aggressive with the solution. Or perhaps they're just saving it for a higher speed track. Possibly, yes. All right, well... Um, and, and, and what about Haas? They had a new front wing as well. It seemed like it was a big, mostly front wing 
time for a lot of people. They had a new front wing, but again, they didn't run it. Um, they went out in free practice, but didn't actually take it into the race. Um, well, obviously, they didn't take it in on Roman Grosjean's car because he didn't make it to the race. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, Esteban didn't run it during the race. It was um, it's an interesting thing. It's it's a, a copy of many other solutions. It's nothing new. There's lots of new intricate parts to it, but it's really ready to pop the question. The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, something that I would expect from a team like Haas to use as a development part. It's something that solves many problems, but it doesn't necessarily break any new ground. Um, they've copied many solutions in terms of the way that the airflow is pushed and moved around the front tyre to improve performance downstream. Um, but hopefully they'll have it in the next few races. Just got to interrupt to say that Lakes Boy says, seriously, the knowledge of you guys is brilliant. Uh, they're saying, thank you, Spanners, for your patience and allowing it to run long. Well, we're not running long. We're going to release it as two for to cover two of your commutes this week. Um, MG says, comment of the week should be the video uh, of the week with Spanners' aerobic routine. I've been sitting here a long, long time. Blood clots were starting to become a massive, massive issue. Go on, <laughs> carry on about your tech, lads. The, the, the time pressure has eased away. Right. Well, and and that might very well be just because they lost so much running with Grosjean's car. They weren't confident uh, running it as a solution here. Yeah, and because it's a street circuit, perhaps they didn't want to damage the, the new parts as well. You know, there's nothing worse than spending £100,000 on a front wing and then crashing it into a barrier, a bit like he did with the rest of the car. Um, <laughs> but, you know, unfortunately, Haas have got some severe problems in terms of their understanding of the break-by-wire system. You know, it's something that's plagued them since the start of the season and they just don't seem to have gotten on top of it. And it seems to get worse every time they take on a new Ferrari update because obviously they had the the new Ferrari power unit in Singapore and I think that it's part of the reason why they tend to struggle um, software software integration wise. Yeah, well, we've seen that in Formula E with uh, Amlin and Dreddy in particular. 
that it's just the 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 amount of software and software engineering needed to make these systems work properly is massive. And if you don't have good software engineers and an excellent understanding of what they're supposed to be up to, then then you are going to be very far behind and or behind the eight ball, as it were. So did did uh, Gutierrez um, have any issues also on the break by wire system? I didn't I didn't read his interviews afterwards. I haven't read any problems for Esteban, but he doesn't seem to have suffered as much as Roman anyway. So I would suggest that there might be a difference in the way that they set up their car um, or even the level of performance they're trying to get from the car. Um, And that might be the reason why those errors aren't seeming to creep up onto Esteban as much as Roman. Yeah, that goes to the way I've been advising you and how to... uh drive your rental cars faster matt uh stop using the brakes just you know use your courage and uh the steering wheel and no brakes no brakes <laughs> now i'll have you know that my favorite stretch of road on a jackie robinson parkway is actually a properly twisty little bit which we do have some here in new york and i can in a 1998 toyota sedan with dubious suspension, easily double the suggested speed limit, which isn't the marked speed limit. Those are not the same thing if you happen to be from law enforcement or authorities. I never break the listed speed limit. However, they do have suggested speed limits for curves, and I can easily double it. The twisty bits, I like to use the front brakes (laughs) in the turn to help rotate because I got a front-wheel drive car. The law does not account for your racing skill. That's the problem. Thanks and a, my skill. Thanks a lot, Obama. My my skill is actually not so much in racing; it's driving through New York City traffic. I'm pretty good at that. Well, Which I, is a, I will. A, that's a fine skill to have, I must just say. So, uh, I want to ask them. There's a quick question, though, in regards to these these uh, updates that we saw in free practice, and uh, it's um, coming into Singapore. Are they likely to be seen again on the calendar? I mean, uh, is it possible we may see something show up at uh, Sepang here next week or later? Yeah, no, I definitely suggest that we'll see things later down the line, especially in terms of Haas. They're, they're, you know, they're not going to design and develop a new front wing and just chuck it in the bin. Um, it's something that they, they've had planned for quite some time, and unfortunately, it didn't pan out in uh, Singapore. But it should bring up should bring some performance, and so they'll be eager to get it tried at the next Grand Prix. In terms of the more um, highly funded teams, let's say, like your Ferraris and your McLarens, who've tested those parts, they could literally just be that. They could just be tests in terms of understanding what others are doing um, and the relationship between this year and next year's regulations, Um, especially with the conversation we had last week about um, Ferrari having parts stored up in drawers um you know they they had designs that they just aren't using you know perhaps this front wing that they tried out in uh, singapore was one of those examples indeed and and by that very same token i've also seen some articles implying that ferrari will be bringing updates to malaysia as well have you heard anything about that do you know what's going on i have heard about that yes um Again, I think it's part of um, the restructuring that has happened. I think they feel that they may be able to get some extra performance from the car and they want to obviously chase Red Bull down 
for the rest of the, the races that we have on the calendar. So they'll want to have that additional performance that they can get. They've been quite smart recently about the way that they've been using certain air, key aero structures. You know, in, in Monza and Spa, they stripped the car back um, which is something that we haven't seen from them in, in a number of years. And I think it's partly to do with the way that their structure is now allowing them to work um, together better, perhaps. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the way that James Allison ran his ship. It's just that sometimes something works better um, when you look at it in a different way, laterally. Right. Well, you had been talking about them needing to simplify uh, the arrow in a bit because it, it might have been too sensitive particularly in yaw and and that's what you're seeing signs of but do you know specifically i mean i know i'd heard they were going to bring some cooling updates which i assume is just like they're going to get a sawzall and cut some holes in the bodywork. but do you know what else they might be bringing well usually with ferrari it's either going to be something around the the floor and diffuser um perhaps a new rear wing they've not designed or used a new rear wing for quite some time so they are about due for for changing something in that respect um but in terms of the cooling usually what they do is tend to open up the the cooling exit at the rear of the car and that just allows them to put more air through the 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 engine cover and side pods right and um i'm just going to go ahead and ask even though we already covered it you're on board with mercedes getting a thousand horsepower out the engine now yeah i think so um why not um i i I see the others creeping up in terms of the output that they're able to get so i don't see any reason why mercedes aren't aren't producing that kind of power yeah no it was just one of our one of our chat room denizens had missed the conversation so i just uh, well, wanted to go in his defense i don't think he missed it i think there's ad interruptions and stuff like that so when we get like 10 times as much patreon as we get now we'll definitely go to an ad free ad free streamer uh, and in high definition as well so my aerobic exercises will be in stunning hd then we'll put it on youtube beautiful kind of all right well that's a scary thought, Spanners. Let me just say that. Oh, you want it. Uh, I might have to get rid of my Lego hair then as well. <laughs> and the halo behind. Hey, yeah. uh, I've recently had my eyebrows trimmed, so I'm fully ready for HD. You should be too. Yes, well, I just got my hair cut not too long ago, so ready to go. Well, I, I think unless anyone has anything else, that brings us to the end of the episode, as it were. Did you want to talk about Sepain? Yeah, we can all guess at what might happen. What, yeah. Who's going to win? Well, first of all, can I just say that Sepang is normally a, a lot earlier. Don't roll your eyes at me at extending the subject when you've brought the show on. <laughs> One hour, 54 minutes, and I've had to cut it into two shows. Uh, I have a microphone and you'll listen to what I have to say. Sepang is obviously normally much earlier in the season. So I was wondering about the motivation for moving it to the back end because I've heard, A, it's to do with the weather and uh, having less chance of monsoons and things like that. Well, yes, that makes sense. And the other thing I heard was basically that the track had requested it and and the FIA had no choice, but I've forgotten why, I've forgotten what power Sepang wields over the FIA. I would say it's not so much what Sepang called, but maybe Patronus. That's the one, Patronus. Thank you very much. So uh, obviously Malaysia is the headquarters, it's been a long night, of um, Patronus, who are major sponsors for the Mercedes team. So they wanted it later in the year, what, just to fit in with their corporate calendar? 
that's what I understand, yes. It's just suited them better. And that's why it's not a back-to-back race with Singapore because they have a big lead-up in terms of the way that they create activities around what's going on. Yes, and that's interesting because Lewis Hamilton has already been in Malaysia like last week and he was tweeting out, oh, we're here and a, and a lot of the drivers and teams were saying stuff like that. So I guess right, that paints the picture then that, that they're all there for more corporate events. Is that, is that all to do with Patronus as well then? Because obviously Lewis Hamilton is a Mercedes driver. That's the way I understand it. Yeah, there are, it's all activities around the, the Patronus uh, brand and Mercedes relationship with them. Okay, Matt can carry on now. Sorry for holding you up so much. No, 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 no. That 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 is perfectly fine. Feel free to just extend the show to unreasonable links whenever you feel like it. Yeah, but normally I-, I edit with a drink, and now we're recording with a drink. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Let's go for it. <laughs> Good. I I just wanted to ask uh, Summers, what what are we going to be looking for in regards to setup for Sepang? It's it's um, it's got the two long straights, I think, both right at or near a kilometer, um, and then a nice mix of turns. And then, of course, it has the the high ambient temperature is always a challenge for the tires. So, um, what can we anticipate? Uh, is this similar to other tracks on the calendar? Well, I think the biggest challenge in Sepang is going to be the tires. Uh, Spanner's favorite topic. Um, we're we're going to have a another issue similar to what we've had with the likes of Spa and Monza because the pressures yet again are going to have an impact on the way that the cars can be set up aerodynamically uh, because they don't want the cars moving around too much in the corners. So they're going to have to sacrifice straight line speed to be able to entertain a, a, a quicker car through the corners perhaps. So it'll be an interesting um, situation to see what kind of trade-off um, each of the teams decide to take it, I, I think, in Sepang. Mm. So on on setup then, a little more closer to Spa, where people are making um, aerodynamic then compensations. Okay, thank you. And um, what do we know about, um, you know, last year after Spa is when, of course, the um, Pirelli started bumping up the tire pressures and Sepang, the Sepang race had been prior to Spa. It was in the spring. So they didn't have the uh, raised tire pressures. Um, what are, do you have any speculation as to whether or not they're going to go crazy with the tire pressures at uh, Sepang? Or what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's a bit of a front-limited circuit anyway because of the way that the, um, the big arching corner um, compromises the, the, the drivers in the opening part of the lap. So I, I don't know with Pirelli. It's difficult because at the end of the day, they did say to us that once they've got the situation under control in terms of the temperatures being adjusted by certain teams, that they would start to lower the tyre pressures. And we have seen them during a race weekend take them down maybe one PSI at the front or rear. But one PSI isn't a fantastic amount when we're talking about how high they've actually taken the pressures in the first place. So we're talking in the range of sort of four to five PSI higher than what the teams would ideally like. Um, So yeah, it's going to be tyre limited and certainly it will be front end limited. So those teams that have a decent front end, like your Red Bulls, um, Mercedes, because they have a very uh, compliant front suspension, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be uh, into some decent shape in Sepang, I would have thought. So then for the uh, 
three or four McLaren fans who listen to this podcast. Um, they have a very good front end, <laughs> but they uh, they are um, have a challenge with their Honda motor plant. So, uh, what can we expect out of uh, Honda's performance in the McLaren at Sepang? Nothing. No grip. I think that's their general statement, isn't it? Just no grip um, out there. You're right, though. On no the, the last there. two big corners before the last two straights, uh, they've got that that sort of horrendous sweeping right-hand turns, and then they're braking and turning to get the perfect line to get the apex for that, that final turn. So it's just going to rip their tyres to shreds. But this will be the return for Vettel this weekend onto the podium. Oh, we haven't done predictions yet. Sorry. Back to where you Well, are. there's the first one, then. <laughs> Vettel on the podium. No, so I was just curious though. Um, with with Honda, are we looking at them being limited um, at at Monza? They were they were hurt, but their performance has improved overall. Uh, what do you think of Sepang? Are they going to be challenged? I I think that Honda have have kind of marginalised the problems that they've had because they've got a very decent energy recovery system now. It does what it should do rather than what it didn't do beforehand. Um, They are not too bad in terms of internal combustion engine power. They were always pretty good at that anyway. The problem that that Honda really suffer from is fuel economy. You know, their their fuel efficiency was very poor before, so they were having to leverage um, performance off the fact that they had poor fuel economy. Um, and, and in the last update, they actually made changes. And Mobile One, who supply their fuel, bought a new fuel in. And we all know how important that can actually be in terms of performance and fuel economy. So I think a lot of the problems that we've seen from Honda in the past are starting to to rectify themselves. They still don't use TGI like the other teams do yet. Um, and, and that is going to have a massive effect when they move into 2017 when they're allowed to do a lot more with the with the power unit and they can make architectural changes to the way that the the power unit is designed and and, and built well Mm. since we have forever in a day i'm going to ask you about a rumor that i read was that some teams were leveraging not just the fuel but also even the oil for added performance is that something that's actually been going on do you think i've given an inch and you've taken a mile Fine, answer the question, Summers. Well, lubricants have always been a big part of the sport anyway in terms of gaining performance because it's all about tolerances. And we have to remember that all of these parts are lifed. So a power unit should last for, well, uh, the allocation of five power units should last for 21 races. So it has to cover a certain distance. If it doesn't cover that distance, then unfortunately you have to go into your allocation and gain another one. Uh, And... The, that then results in penalties. So, you know, the, it's all about getting the right distance from, from these components. And Yeah, so you're saying with age, lubricants increase performance? <laughs> yes. No, 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 that's good to know because obviously, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what they're laughing at, but obviously extending the race life for an engine <laughs> by an extra race is a massive advantage, especially when you take into account engine failures and avoiding penalties like Lewis Hamilton has suffered so much. Yeah, well, this is the thing. When you look at the difference between your Rosbergs and your, and your Hamiltons, in terms of lifing, Hamilton's in a very good situation now because he has lots of power units in his allocation, whereas Rosberg 
might felt a full foul of a penalty come towards the end of the season. And that could be critical in terms of the, the title championship. Um, so, yeah, I, I think component life is something that is quite underrated within the sport. All right. We might just have to stop there before things really take a turn for the worse. And I have to apologize for that last one, that I've actually been playing a drinking game with with our chat room. Every time I say, I have a question, they take another drink. <laughs> I was saying the missed Apex drinking game is I hit record, uh, I drink lots and, and keep doing it until I'm not sad anymore. Uh, all right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the show, except for perhaps, well, no, we haven't done our predictions. Yeah, let's do Battle that. on the podium. Who else? Who else on the podium, Spanners? Uh, okay, well, it's going to be the two Mercedes boys by, by a long way. And on performance, we'll say Lewis Hamilton. I honestly think Lewis Hamilton is performing better of the two this year. But Rosberg is there. If Hamilton isn't on the top of his game, Rosberg is right on him. But that's it. Merck, 1-2, Vettel. Vortex. Um, okay, I'll go with uh, Merck, 1-2, and uh, Ricciardo. Ooh, controversy, argument, <laughs> fight. No, he's just All wrong. Right, All right, well, well, we'll see. I can't wait to see how wrong you are. Like, how sad will you be when it's ch- Red Bull aren't going to be anywhere this weekend? I'm going with Hamilton for the win. Front limited circuit. I think he has a very good idea of how to place his car in those particular situations to gain the most from the tyres. Um, I'm going to say Ricardo second and Vettel third because I've got a feeling for some reason, that Rosberg is going to have some issues this weekend, and I do not know why. Because it's all been a massive conspiracy to make it look like a close content, but ultimately Lewis Hamilton is cash dollar. Tin foil hats at the ready if that comes true. I think because Hamilton is very popular in Malaysia, might have something to do with it, and also possibly Summers is friends with the writer for the script. Oops, what did I say? Nothing. Never. <laughs> He's part of it. He's in on it. <laughs> Summers let us in on it. Yeah, no, I, I think I think I'm gonna have to go with Mercedes one two. The numbers would tend to favor Hamilton if you look at a if you look at enough of them. But obviously anything can happen. But I think my big prediction is gonna be much like Petrov back in the day. I think we're gonna see Verstappen flying his Red Bull back onto the circuit at some point. Ooh. Do you remember when Petrov did that? Broke his suspension, went right across broke his steering wheel. Because there was a bump in the Hi guys, so that's all they recorded before they finally, finally let me go to bed. I hope you think it was worth the effort of releasing that midweek. We are looking into things to do midweek when we get some more producers on board. We're going to look at the Wafflecast for our Patreons. Uh, we're looking at Mr. Apex t-shirt. We're lining up some events you can attend uh, to come karting with us. Uh, not necessarily missed Apex event now, but uh, an, ex- an extant event that you come along and join us for. Make sure you follow the podcast crew at MattPT55, at VortexMotio, M-O-T-I-O, at SummersF1. That's S-O-M-E-R-S-F1. And me, Spanners Ready, why not? Let's push the Facebook page. Missed Apex Podcast, search all those three terms on Facebook and join the community on Facebook. And why not join us on the live stream during recordings as well? We have an absolutely cracking time on there. And some of the comments, they just make me crack up whilst we're trying to record and do things. And you you hear that the guys occasionally get distracted by the chat room. But it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it to have that interaction. 
and we'd love more of you to come in. Go to www.spannersready.com, click on menu, and then find the live stream tab. And it's all there. The player's there. If you're on desktop, the live chat app is just there for you to type into. If you're on mobile, I suggest you get the Ustream app. That's the big letter U, stream. Get that app and search for Spanners Ready to find my channel. Then that mobile app has an inbuilt chat room player. But, but pile in. Give us your suggestions. We always try and go to the chat room and see what they've got to say for themselves. I think we are going for half past seven on Sunday night to do the race review of the Sepang Grand Prix. So a bit boring until Sunday, but until then, wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Tech Time Extra. Wow. bit lonely for the after the credits bit I could just talk to myself what if I'm always talking to myself what if there is no chat room or podcasts I'm just in this converted shed alone want flexibility take yoga want flexibility with your health insurance check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company they offer flexible budget friendly medical dental and vision coverage that may be right for you more at uh1.com hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.